I'm going to give you a little advice. There's a force in the universe that makes things happen. And all you have to do is get in touch with it. Stop thinking. Let things happen. And be the ball. Today we welcome Chris Whittingham to the podcast. He does play-by-play for BN Sports and Univision. He's a video host on CBSSports.com and the newly appointed pregame host for Miami Dolphins football on WQAM. First of all, congrats. Thank you, on sir. That last that, that's very awesome. And uh, who, who's going to be doing that with you? It'll be uh, Channing Crowder and myself. Uh, he, he did it last year and He'll be back on the radio network, so the way it'll work is we'll do two hours just for the the QAM local audience, and then we sign on to the vast radio network uh, flagship stations, QAM and 99.9 Kiss Country. That should be fun. I mean, Crowder's quite a character, although I, I think it would be a little more enjoyable if you had a third guy in the booth like like Bob Greasy or, or Dick Stockton, you know, to carry over that preseason flavor. I know I know you're a huge fan of the, the, the preseason broadcasts. And, and... I'm, I, I'm more of a fan of preseason Dolphins football just because of that broadcast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's seriously, it's that entertaining for me. It's like, it's like watching, you know, covering Trump and politics and all that. It, it's the same thing for me. It's just, it's kind of this crap show bloodbath. And I'm sure you don't want to talk too bad about it because you're kind of with them now. But uh, we can move on. I'd prefer not to at all, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> all right, to be to be fair, Dick Stockton is an excellent, excellent player. Oh, he's a legend. He's a legend. When, I mean, the keyword is when he wants to be. But, well, yeah. Well, I, I think it's more, you know, obviously it's really damn hard first off to do football of any kind. I did I did college football in college uh for the University of Miami and particularly in preseason when you're dealing with, you know, most cases 90 names and they're cycling in and out and you're you're trying to figure out your bearings and and it's it's not an easy assignment. Um, and I mean, Dick Stockton is someone who dating back to the seventies, man, like it's crazy, uh, how, you know, once you sort of get into that broadcasting world where you're in that cycle, you're just in it for, it's, it's almost kind of like a, a Supreme court, a Supreme court justice where you can kind of do it for as long as you want. And, and, and Dick's still going strong. You know, talking about ease of broadcasting, you've done, I mean, you're doing soccer now. What's that like? Cause I'm sure you've done a bunch of other sports dating back to your days at UM, I imagine, um, how does that compare to, to, to other sports? Yeah, it, it, for, for me, the, the most important thing was really learning the language. And, and it, it's sort of interesting that I, I sort of uh, I, I sort of discovered based off of wanting to study English broadcasters, you know, English proper from, from England and, and, sort of, and sort of how they went about it was how do they describe things? How do they use terminology that's different than what we use in our average sports, right? So yeah. you, you see this a lot, like converted hockey announcers or converted baseball announcers. They, they still use a lot of the terminology that they use in hockey and in baseball. And I kind of wanted to wipe my slate clean in terms of everything that I used or, or terminology that I used to describe things and, and really try and soak in what is an entirely different way of talking about sport, which is which is the way that a lot of Englishmen do soccer. So that that's really been an interesting experience. And, and if anything, it's actually 
kind of allowed me to to speak another broadcasting language, if you will. Um, and I, I actually, you know, I sometimes spend so much time around soccer and watching it that I almost have to recalibrate myself and not, you know, use like, uh, and, and people make fun of me for it all the time. We're like, I'll call the Hard Rock Stadium, feel the pitch. Oh, the pitch looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And people get like, well, what, like, what are you doing? And it's just, right. well, it's like so ingrained in me now that I kind of have to recalibrate again. Do you speak in a British accent? Occasionally, yeah. Really? Yeah, no, I, I, I do, and I, I did it on the radio for a while. Wait, and it wait, was... you actually speak the entire broadcast in a British oh, accent? Oh, you mean like in, in my broadcasting work? Yeah. No, yeah. no, I would never do that. Oh, no, that, okay. that would be too patronizing. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I actually, because I, I watched so much, I kind of ingested it. Uh, right. uh, for for a while, just kind of uh, just figuring it out, and I, I do catch myself probably going a bit too far with the mannerisms. Uh, but but no, I n- never never on air would I go with the, with an accent. Now, are you traveling all over the place for this gig? No, no. I uh, so uh, f- you know I, I might be sort of uh, bringing people too far behind the curtain, but mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, uh, BN does most of their games out of a studio in Miami. Um, and you you kind of call the game off a monitor when I worked for, when I've worked for That's Univision really when I've worked for Univision it's the same thing and realistically they're doing games from uh, the Italian league and the Spanish league and the French league they're not right. going to have a crew on the ground so it's mostly people in a studio that are calling games off a monitor. That's really interesting. Now, kind of veering off into MLS and, and all that. I mean, I know your thoughts on it. You definitely want a team here, right? Oh, no question. Yeah, I, 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 I and I think that uh, it's it's kind of interesting that so many people, you know, tend to poo-poo it because, well, people down here aren't interested in MLS. Well, they're not interested because they don't have a team. Like, right. I, 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 I right. think, you know, if you're if you're someone in Los Angeles who spent so long without an NFL team, like maybe you're not as into the NFL as the rest of the country is because you don't have a team. And and I I feel like having something local where you can go on a Saturday night to go and watch your team, like it's an entirely different experience from watching your favorite, you know, Premier League team on television. Yeah, and the more I think about it, well, it all goes down to this. I, I think just like with any other event, any other team in Miami, it comes down to the product. I think if the product's good, people will go. But if this is a middle-of-the-road product, I mean, do you anticipate uh, fan loyalty, even though I hate that word when it comes to fandom? I mean, do you anticipate them drawing enough people even when they're not stellar? Because it's going to take some time, I imagine, before they put a quality product out on the the pitch. <laughs> um, but uh, th- th- there are sort of a, a, couple of a couple of counterfactuals. To me, the biggest one is actually Atlanta. Because Atlanta is uh, almost uh, has the reputation of Miami as a sports market in terms of not supporting their traditional Big Four teams, right? You know, the the hockey team moved, and the Hawks always have have empty arenas, and and you know, I, I you you watch Braves games. Obviously, they're playing at a new stadium now, but back when they were at Turner Field, and you would see vast swaths of the outfield look empty, and you think, oh, that's a poor sports market, and yet they they get they got an MLS team. They made it a really attacking, fun to watch, uh, a couple of really promising young players, and it's amazing fun to watch. And so they pack 46,000 people into the stands for every game, which sounds, amazing. Cr- which sounds crazy for Atlanta, but yeah. they're doing it every week. And to me, the most important thing uh, that they have to do is almost even above the product, because obviously the product matters, but I think you have to create an atmosphere and a party 
that people want to be at and kind of spreads by word of mouth. And they have to do that from the get-go. So, like, to me, I think of the World Baseball Classic when it was here or even, you know, P, uh, the, the, the Classico, the Barcelona-Real Madrid game where there's so many people that are so enthused to be there that it almost doesn't even matter what the game on the field is. And I feel like that's what this team has to create from the beginning. It's almost the, the product to me, I wouldn't say it's secondary because obviously winning and all that kind of, if you, if you put a crap team on the field, I'm not sure people are going to be there. But to me, it's about what are you creating off the field? What kind of atmosphere are you creating in the stands that makes one of people keep coming? I get that, but I, I mean, I think the Dolphins are all about that. Obviously, with the renovated stadium, they have these fancy seats now in a lot of areas. They've they've revamped concessions, but I mean, if the Dolphins are a three-win team, people aren't going to those games. And, and you think that's a different case for soccer? Well, see, to to me, those are those are kind of slightly different points, right? To me, it's more like uh, the college football atmosphere. Where you, you think of like you know a University of Miami Hurricanes game, you go to mm-hmm. Miami FSU and you wish that was there for all six or seven home games that they played every year. That to me is what Miami MLS is going to have to create because I feel like with the Dolphins and with professional sports generally, it's about you know for for, for the newly re- the the renovation the renovations weren't about creating an atmosphere. They're were, they're were about creating new premium seating that can, that you can sort of. Uh, give people these enhanced experiences. You put them in a living room. You put them behind the end zone with you know comfortable recliners. Like it's not about necessarily creating a raucous atmosphere. And and that to me is what soccer is most about. It's why like for example the Premier League, the the, the English league has taken off more than you know any other sporting product because you turn it on and it seems like such an incredible place to be. And I think MLS on on, on a wider level around the country has done a fairly remarkable job of doing this in places like Seattle and Portland and Atlanta and Minnesota that just came in this year. Like they're doing a good job of creating these and Miami's going to have to become one to me to week in week out, draw, draw huge crowds. Right. And I, I don't think you know, the parking I think has been overblown a little bit. I know there's no parking structure plan uh, in the current design because part of it is we don't know what public transport's going to look like in five years. Well, Miami's probably never going to get their act together and and just revolutionize their public transportation system. I think people are going to be dropping cars more and more as these um, self-driving vehicles pop up, as Uber and Lyft just become more and more and more prominent. But one issue, we're talking about college atmosphere. Like to me, we go to Canes games every week. My family's had tickets for years. Uh, we really stick with it in part because of the tailgating, because it's such a fun pregame event go with friends and family and I look forward like my wife doesn't care about football at all she hates it uh she hates just like the entire concept of it just thinks it's so barbaric but she goes for the tailgating and Mm. that if there's no parking or anything like that at the stadium like there's going to be zero tailgate atmosphere right I mean is that I I don't I wouldn't know I've never been to an MLS game anywhere else but I imagine that's it's got to be a factor at a lot of these stadiums, right? Yeah, it's actually something I hadn't thought about. And and again, it, it's another part of this whole needing to create a party atmosphere, whether it's before the game, during the game, or after the game. And and I, I didn't consider that as kind of the main nexus for, for partying at, at American football games is the parking lot. 
and for the you know the stadium to not have one uh, w- would obviously you know r- reduce that aspect of it. I, I I to be honest with you, I hadn't even thought about it, and and I imagine it's something that they're going to have to consider: is where do people hang out and party before right. the game? Uh, right, especially because, because of the area around it. Yeah, you know, it's not exactly like the super yeah. developed area you're talking about. It's in Overtown. It's not the most walkable area right now. I, I know. Ideally, I, I really wish they were able to get it in a more prominent area like downtown or kind of where the Heat's Arena was or, or even Marlins Park, somewhere around there. I think, I think it would have really helped it. They have a lot of things going against it. But uh, hopefully this thing gets approved and we can actually kind of see it. It'll be, an, it'll be a grand experiment. We could put it that way. Yeah, for sure. And, and to me, uh, I, I've been arguing for the longest time about the vital signs of Miami as a soccer market because we are so Latin American because uh, the city is kind of, you know, the United States is linked to Latin America, you know, South Americans and Central Americans and in the Caribbean. There's so many people that associate with Miami specifically. And so and, and we watched like, for example, we had the Classico and then on television, we we watched it more than any city in America by a wide margin. Is that so? Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, on on, on, on the wow. ESPN networks, yeah, we were the number one uh, local TV market for the Classico. Uh, we're, we were the number one local TV market for I think the 2010 World Cup in both English and Spanish. So you know, there's the ESPN audience, there's the Univision audience. Miami won both of those, and so there is a massive population of people here that love this sport and do so via alternative means that to have a you know a high level product that is available to go to week in week out that could potentially and this is where i think they they can do their best work uh, attract the biggest stars in the global game and try and get them to play here because global superstars love this city as much as you know uh, the you know latin america does um, I, I i will be curious to see if they can tap into what is a huge potential area uh, b- given its demographics, given its population, I kind of wish they could kick the Marlins out and just play there. <laughs> you know, that'd be great. It's a great stadium. It's such a nice atmosphere, and I won't go because of ownership. And I know the ownership could change soon, but I mean, baseball's interest has got to be dwindling nationally. Like I, I mean, it's I'm not, a general. It's not. It's not. You don't I think mean, it's like TV wise? Like no, it's not, it's not getting killed in this market at least. Well, I I don't know because I, I I haven't seen local TV ratings yet this year. But uh, last year I read a study about how the local baseball team in 23 of the 30 markets was the highest rated show from April to October in 23 of the 30 markets. So the average performance of a baseball game was higher rated than anything else that aired in a market. And so to me, the biggest difference is... On a national level, okay, so you're a fan of the Red Sox. Maybe you don't care about what the Rockies are doing, but if you're in color, if you're in Denver, you care about the Rockies are doing. If you're in San Francisco, you care about what the Giants are doing. And and I feel like that's a general concept in most sports. Outside of really the NFL and the NBA and to a lesser extent college football, national narratives are kind of dying. And so I, I don't I don't think baseball in any sense of the word is is dying or, or or dwindling in interest. We just live in the wrong area of the country. Being in Miami, being so apathetic towards that team because of the ownership, uh, because of the things that they do from both an on field and off field perspective, that I feel like our view of the sport is warped compared to what is ultimately the national consensus and perspective on it. Where if you're you know if you have a if you have a major league team in your city. 
you're all about it. And I, that's the sort of general consensus of how uh, the, the numbers are viewed around the country. It's fair to me. I mean, they're dead to me. They're dead in my house. Right. I can't like, remember the last I, time I, I put on a game. Like even even when, for, when Fernandez was here, I mean, I just like like standing if he hits a 500 foot homer, I'm going to see it on Twitter exactly. moments after it happens. I have no need to watch a game. Yeah, I mean, I would I would like for there be to for, for there to be like an app where it can just send me a notification like Stanton is batting now, so maybe right. I can see it live and experience it with others. But I don't that drastically need to see it. I, I, as you said, I'll I'll go find the highlights of it somewhere. I'm I'm totally with you, man. And it's and and it's unfortunate because it's turned me off to the sport in general. Like I've replaced baseball with soccer in my life, and I just like I'm not into it. Like I was looking at the standings the other day because I was getting ready for a radio show where you know the the trade deadline. I was like, wait a second, the 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 Rockies are like 16 games over 500. When did that happen? Like <laughs> right. I don't I don't know anything. I don't know anything. My brother and I play a game all the time. Like name two Oakland Athletics, and I struggle. Uh, because because I just can't and and it's a bummer because as you said it's a beautiful stadium I was actually there last night for for Guns and Roses and it was packed and a, a, a packed stadium a packed that stadium looks so cool and the roof was open and the windows were open and you could see the skyline and it was a beautiful night and it's and it seems like a place where sports should work and yet just th- they've sapped the life out of you to such a degree that like I just I don't have any interest in going I don't have any interest in watching I don't have any interest in the entirety of the sport which stinks because kind of like soccer baseball should be a growth area for for Miami as well given its population and it's just not all right we've already hit our uh, five minute baseball limit for the podcast so we're gonna have, we're gonna have to <laughs> veer enough. away to real sports like football <laughs> and basketball but first uh, MLS Miami play-by-play gig would that be a dream job of yours? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, no, I'd I'd, I'd love to do that because uh, I've been working on I've been working on NASL and I, I've really enjoyed it actually. I've I've actually got to done I got to do a fair amount of Miami FC games and even like the 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 viewership for that whatever it may be like the fact that there are people in this city but it's I, I would say among my favorite sports it's a sport I've grown most as a broadcaster in and yeah if if that's available I'd love to do it. All right, awesome. We're pulling for you on that. All right, Jake Cutler, Miami Dolphins football. Mm-hmm. That's obviously been the most interesting topic uh, down here this week. First of all, did you like the move? Do you think they should have given Kaepernick a shot or perhaps uh, made a bolder move like uh, Tim Tebow or uh, <laughs> or Johnny Manziel or no, I, any I, one I of think, those guys? I, I, mean, I, think it was it? The, I think it was the perfect signing. And and to me, the, the thing that is most encouraging or positive about it is that it feels like a season saver because for most NFL teams, you know, the Minnesota Vikings last year, they lo- they lose Teddy Bridgewater in training camp. They traded for Sam Bradford and Sam Bradford wasn't bad for them, but it didn't feel like he gave them the lifeline that I feel like Jay Cutler is to the Dolphins. And I, I know that Jay Cutler is, you know, an, is statistically an average or below average quarterback, but just given the fact that he is someone who has such talent. And, and you saw yesterday the, the reports from training camp where I can't believe like he rolled out of bed and looks this great. And, and, yeah. it feel, and it feels like the Dolphins now, at the very least, have an opportunity to salvage their season after losing their starting quarterback, which you can say a grand majority of NFL teams couldn't do. 
And so I, I, I think it's I think it's a great signing, and I, and I'm I'm not just sort of all right, you know, season still on. I'm actually kind of excited to see you know Jake Cutler in in both his ups and his downs because everyone talks about the interceptions and the risk taking, and I feel like that's going to be really enjoyable to watch. Like even from a from a neutral's point of view, like having Jake Cutler in football, it's just entertaining to me. I don't know, I I could be wrong, and maybe I didn't watch enough Bears football, but uh, I, I I I do feel like. It'll be a spectacle that the Dolphins fans will enjoy watching. I mean, it's certainly a spectacle on social media. I mean, all the off the field <laughs> stuff, the memes, the the smoking jay. I mean, it's been amazing. I've gotten more entertainment out of these last few days than I have at points during like even during their playoff run last season. But I mean, I I'm, I hate training camp analysis. I despise it because every training camp there's positivity. Every team thinks they're capable of going to the Super Bowl. Maybe not the Jets. But I mean, he was <laughs> or the Browns. He, he comes. He yeah, as you said, he rolls out of bed, and I was actually there yesterday for the first time in I don't know a year and a half, uh, filling in. And he's he's in eleven on elevens. Like there's there's defenders on the field. There's a line on the field, and he's just slinging it. Like it just it looks so effortless when he drops back and throws a football. And I know that's kind of been his mo. He's never really kind of uh, grown into or match the hype of his monster arm and that there's always the ups and downs and he'll, he'll be great one play and he'll have a bone de- head decision the next. But the one good thing about it is I think it's kind of similar to how Ryan Tannehill was perceived before Adam Gase came to town. You know, he's kind of up and down and we don't not sure quite what he is yet. He's got all the skill set in the world and similar to Cutler, you know, he's, he's been up and down. And then that year that Gase came on, he seemed to be a little more grounded, seemed to be a little more consistent. So the hope is they can build on that. Uh, from two years ago and that he's kind of the same guy and just I mean there's so much talent on the field but the one thing that really really concerns me is the line you know if they're not able to generate a put and especially in the run game I know everybody says that the pass game the pass blocking that's their issue like they're moving guys around the interior is banged up uh, but if they can't run the ball effectively and they're going to be in consistent third and longs that's going to be a nightmare scenario because that's when Cutler is going to break down and make all these mistakes I think I think the run game will be everything for this team I, I think it'll dictate whether they can match last season or, or come close to it yeah and and I, I agree with you because J, JHI last year he obviously had the 200 yard games but I feel like a lot of people look at his numbers in the other games as like oh you know he's just kind of a one-hit wonder or didn't do it week in week out enough and wasn't consistent enough and yet and, and this is to me where I think statistical analysis as much as I really enjoy it you still have to pair it with the watching of the games and remembering the details of the games that you watched because JHI routinely pushed the line of scrimmage two and three yards forward or ended up two or three yards ahead of perhaps where he should have given the blocking like you just I, I just remember watching games and thinking Man, Jay Ajayi is making chicken soup out of chicken bleep right now with this run blocking. And and Ted Larson, who is meant to be their starting left guard, has a bicep injury, which uh, Adam Gay said hasn't ruled him out for the season, but obviously will rule him out for a long period of time. And I, I wasn't huge uh, uh, about Jermon Bushrod. I was reading actually a story that that Adam Gase. Uh, thought he was the second best offensive lineman, or he graded out as their second best offensive lineman. That's not what my eyes saw. I'm not a professional football coach, so, oh so, so he said that. That's yeah, not yeah, what, he did. Like, yeah, pro, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to look it up, but I'm pretty sure in Pro yeah. Football Focus he was among the worst guards. Yeah, in the he was great. I, 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 so in in my preparation for my first pregame show tomorrow, uh, we're taping this on a Wednesday. Uh, my, for for my first pregame show on on Thursday, the Atlanta game, um, I was re- I'm I'm trying to read up on every story that every local outlet has 
is written. I'm kind of uh, OCD like that, where I can't just oh, let me read a few articles. No, I have to read all of the articles. And right. uh, and Adam Gase was talking about how he's not re- he's not really a huge fan of any grading system uh, that doesn't sort of understand conceptually what they're trying to do. And so he kind of doesn't really believe in pro football focus. And, yeah, that's uh, fair. And uh, and so he said, uh, so Pro Football Focus rated Bushrod as 69th out of 72 uh, guards that sort of had, uh, had an eligible number of snaps. But he, in, in their grading system, ranked as their second best offensive lineman behind Pouncey when he was healthy. Now, again, it's really interesting, right, which is not what my eyes saw. Uh, my I saw a team that struggled to run block and, and at times uh, struggled to, to sort of hold down the pocket uh, for Ryan Tannehill to throw into. But uh, if, if he sort of feels that way, maybe I can feel a bit more comfortable about it. But I, I still, you know, whether it's Urbic or Anthony Steen, and then you're talking about the health of Mike Pouncey, like there's there's just too much uncertainty with particularly the interior of that line. Then you have Laramie Tunsil playing his first year as, as left tackle. Juwan James, who's a guy who we kind of don't talk about very much because he's just kind of the steady guy on the right, but he can he has some room for improvement. I, I, I definitely think that offensive line is, is once again for – a one hundred and tenth consecutive season, uh, the, <laughs> the the biggest uh, linchpin in this offense working because they have the skill talent. Quarterback is gonna is good enough. You'd, you'd have to say with Cutler, it's can they block for both Ajay and Cutler? Yeah, and then we haven't even talked about the defense. But it's funny. I was looking at the uh, Football Outsiders. I'm a big fan of their metrics, and it's all obviously you could only use some of this. It's you can use it in just glimpses. You can't. It can't be just metrics. It can't be just tape. It's got to be kind of a mix of both. You have to but combine them, yeah. Yeah, they found they found Miami's line last year run blocking their power rank. I guess this is just at the push at the line of scrimmage to be 28th in the league. And the fact that Jay Ajay had the season he did behind that. But what also is interesting is at the second level and in the open field, they ranked in the top four. So it shows that their downfield blocking is pretty good, which I imagine is mainly wideouts and, and tight ends and and that sort of thing because they're springing them once they hit the hole. But well, and, and yeah, I, but but I, I also I also think it makes sense because if you think of last year's line, they were playing four tackles. They were playing mm-hmm. Tunsil, uh, Albert, Bushrod, and Juwan James, all guys whose primary disciplines is offensive tackle. So maybe they have the the, the foot speed to get downfield, but not quite that that burst at the line of scrimmage that maybe a powerful guard like a Marshall Yanda has in Baltimore. You see, you see this team as a. Uh, Similar team to last year. I mean, what, what's your best case scenario for them? Yeah, one, I, one I, playoffs, t- one and done, like last year. Yeah, I, I, I don't think now the I, to me it's the the AFC in general allows opportunity, right? Because uh, I, I you believe in Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I I think Pittsburgh and New England are the class of the conference, but everyone's sort of talking about uh, a regression for the Raiders that they're not necessarily the dominant yeah. team that has arrived yet. Uh, the the rest of the AFC East, uh, other than New England, you don't really trust. Like to me, there's it's really only. New England and Pittsburgh that are really the class of the conference and are clearly ahead of everyone else. And so I think the Dolphins are, are kind of right in that group of teams. That's that's right in there. I, I, I also believe that last year on the schedule, on the one-score games, like I, I also understand the analysis that Maybe they weren't a ten and six team, and that they kind right. of. You see Barnwell's recent. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and they were essentially a seven eight win team last right. year. Right, but that, point differential strength, overall strength. But that's the entirety of the damn league. Like outside yes, of the yeah. teams that have Brady and Rodgers, like if you don't have 
superlative quarterback play compared to everyone else because of the parity, because of the way that the talent is divided and 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 guys get paid. Like that's that's everyone. Like I like m- maybe that is the case. That the Dolphins were a little bit of smoke and mirrors last year, but I feel like there isn't a team in the conference outside of Pittsburgh and New England that's that's demo- that's that demonstrably uh, demonstrably better than them. And so I the Dolphins can be right in there. I don't know if they're a Super Bowl contender, but to me. On last year's evidence, they can kind of squeak in again, and I feel like they've improved enough to, at the very least, be the same that they were last year from a talent point of view, and maybe the results sort of bounced away because, well, yes, they were great in one-score games last year, and, and, and on Pythagorean wins, they, they right. were three wins worse than, than where they ended up being on, on, actual, on actual results, but... If you if you're saying regression to the mean, the Dolphins have been kicked in the teeth by regression to the mean for a <laughs> decade. So yeah, mm-hmm. maybe they'll be an outlier for a few years because their luck was so bad for so long. I don't feel like necessarily they were uh, they were kind of in this same group of teams forever. They just sometimes finish eight and eight, and last year they finished ten and six. Yeah, it's an impossible sport really to predict. There's so many variables. You know, you could say they're are probably they're probably an eight win team plus or minus two wins, but then. Who knows? Tom Brady goes down. He's 40 years old. I know this is wishful thinking, and maybe it's mean thinking, wishing for an opposing player to get hurt. But he goes down, or Big Ben goes down. That opens up the entire conference, opens up the division. Um, So you play. You you roll out your best team, and you you go from there. This isn't basketball where they know 100% chance. Like, like we we have a pretty damn good chance, 100% confidence that the Miami Heat are not going to the NBA Finals last year. You can't necessarily say that for the Dolphins in football. I know it's wishful thinking, optimistic thinking, but football is a funny sport. Yeah, and and the Dolphins are at the very least not in the Browns Jets group of teams where you know they have you you know they have no chance like and, and that and that is sort of what the NFL wants to create they want to create interest in all 32 cities where all 32 teams feel like they have a chance now to me that's not necessarily a chance at the Super Bowl but I, I think Dolphins fans expectations have been frankly demolished like they don't expect anything out of the Dolphins which to me is a bummer because I, I I kind of wish that there was a similar optimistic thinking about the Dolphins a similar kind of enthusiasm for their season starting and I understand how decade you know more than a decade's worth of losing and mediocrity will kind of beat it out of you and false expectations but like to me last year's heat team while I didn't necessarily get off on it as much as others did it was a team that finished 500 there were an eight and eight you know they're the eight and eight equivalent of 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 the NBA and people really enjoyed it because they really like that team. And, and so much and, fun to watch. I enjoyed them just for the regular season. I enjoyed watching them just as much. And people will vehemently disagree, but I enjoyed them just as much as during the LeBron era. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, w- I wouldn't go that far. Um, just as much as entertainment. I mean, they passed the ball. They overachieved. Uh, yeah, for, they took for, yeah, a bunch exactly. of, of, of retreads and made them valuable. I just found it really interesting. Yeah, no. To, to me, it was it was interesting and it was fun. And I like to me if if you ask me, uh, they're eleven and thirty at, at the halfway point in the year. What would you prefer happen from here? I would have preferred the exact opposite of what ended up happening. But eventually, they, they they win enough in a row where it's like okay, they're fun. This isn't this isn't an outlier. They're they're, they're you know you do this for half a season. Uh, it's not you know you can't entirely rule it out. Uh, but I I just kind of wish that the Dolphins last year when they went on their run they went they, they basically had a similar kind of run. They were one in four to start the year if if, if I if I remember correctly, and then they won nine of ten. 
I mean, right. the Dolphins should have engendered that similar kind of enthusiasm and optimism, even if we all know collectively they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Like, let's let's have some fun and enjoy these games. And I did enjoy those games when they're you know they went down to the wire with San Francisco inexplicably, or uh, I, I went oh. to the game against the Jets. Like, uh, to me, those games were huge fun, and I enjoyed the hell there, out of those games. There were also games. potential heart attacks as well, right? But but, but I mean, whatever whatever floats your boat, Chris. No, but but potential heart attacks are, are what we enjoy, right? Like. Like, I, like to me, the the Heat game towards the end of last year. What was the game that everyone that everyone uh, looks back on as, as the one that that got away? Oh, when they the lost Knicks, to the, the Knicks. yeah, the Knicks at home. Yeah, like like that. Like those games are are sort of what we live for, right? And I know. Uh, th- this is kind of the the Levitart way of viewing things, where it's fun regardless of the outcome. But to me, last year was fun regardless of the outcome with both teams. And so I, I just wish that there was a-, a similar amount of enjoyment that took place with the Dolphins uh, that-, that than the Heat. And hopefully, they-, they do it enough years in a row, and they look well run enough years in a row for for people to start thinking that. All right, before I let you go, you have to make one hot take prediction. Last week, for example. Uh, Adam Smoot or Brian Papa in real life as we know him predicted that Ryan Tan- this is funny this was before Tannehill got hurt two days before I believe he predicted Tannehill would not finish this the season as Miami's quarterback and that this was his last year in Miami so there, there's a partial Damn. truth there and that was a hot take just purely meant to a hot take so what you got Chris he, he, he was right anything. he was right like related. He, he was right like three days later um yeah. I am going to predict uh I'll, I'll go I'll go heat related I'm going to predict that the Miami Heat will finish set will finish seventh or below in the Eastern Conference. That's not a hot take. That's what I, I imagine most people nationally think oh, they are. Oh, okay, nationally. Okay, nationally. But locally, that's all you got. That is that is very very lukewarm. Okay, see, okay. All right, fine. You're, you're gonna, you're, you're, okay, no, gonna you're, no, no, you're you're going to push me, and I'm going to go even more negative. The Miami Heat are going to miss the playoffs this year. Miss the playoffs. Yes. All right, that's a great headline. Now, that now, works for I, I just, I, I just, I just want now. You're gonna get everyone mad at me again, and we're gonna do, <laughs> we're gonna do 19 laps. I don't actually believe that, but because, uh, because hold on. what's funny is I'm gonna cut all this out. Yeah, so no, that's fine. That's fine. You can, you can, you can edit it out in post. I don't care. Uh, but um, it, like people will have heard. Well, oh, you're, you're even gonna edit out where, I, where I say that they finished in seventh. No, no, we're going to edit all that out, and then we're just, okay. just going to say the Miami Heat will miss the playoffs. Bam, that's the heart <laughs> out. That's how we do it around here. Damn man. it, man. Be the ball podcast. Damn it, man. You're going to you're gonna take me out of context and get everyone mad at me. 